0: Good morning, and a happy new year to you. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. The weather is not, but uh, the year is going to be fantastic. I'm so glad that you are here with us. My name is Nathan Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at White Oak, and if you're joining us online or listening to us later this week, we're really glad that you're joining us, so welcome to you. Do you ever find yourself, and I know you do, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, Do you ever find yourself not really knowing what to think, feel, or believe about something? Like, you're just not quite sure. You might think that you are, but you're really not quite sure what to think, feel, or believe. You see, our lives are saturated right now, all right? And you you know this. Our lives are saturated with media, social media. People's opinions, cultural expectations, our own experiences, and all of these things kind of shape how we view things, what we believe, what we hold as true, whether it's, it's from gender and, and, and sexuality issues, um, or, or marriage and divorce, or, or, or the relevance and reliability of the Bible, or maybe issues related to our personal freedoms, so I don't need to tell you that we have a lot of things that are trying to inform what you believe, what you think, or how you approach things. And it shapes how you see the people around you and how you and I interact with our world And we may not know always what to believe. We may not be really sure what's true or right or good, but we have a lot of things in our culture and in our lives who are desperate to tell us. My younger son and I, um, back in this past summer, we were uh, went to a, to a retreat in Montana, a father-son retreat in Montana, and it, it was it was amazing. On, on the first day, we took a hike, and it was this hike around along this mountain stream, and it was beautiful. You could see a picture here uh, of this mountain stream. It was a picture that I took. Um, the rushing water, like you could feel. This is July, and you could feel the the cold air coming off uh, of that. Uh, of that stream, you could feel the mist and the roar of the melting snow that was filling these streams was just deafening and intoxicating, and it was an amazing hike. So the leader of the hike, leader of the retreat, he stopped us at one point, and it was right around here, um, and he stopped us, and he said, now, I want you to kind of keep this picture of this stream in your mind, he said, "I want you." I, and then he pointed up above that stream. He said, he kind of took our glance, he said, now, I want you to see the mountain peaks, that are kind of surrounding this stream way above us in the distance. Because on our hike later in the week, you're going to see something from, from a different perspective. So, a couple days later, we took another hike. And this time, this was the view from the hike we took. The hike we took a couple days later. And let me show this one to you. That's it right there. All right. And that was just standing out over this precipice. Okay, and you see these snow-covered, and, and if you're listening to this later online or watching this later, and it, it, it's just these snow-covered, these tree-covered mountains as far as you could see. It was breathtaking. You could actually see Idaho way back at the back of that picture. Was I? Mean, you could see for miles. And then he said, now I want you to take a look. And now what you can't see, but I will try to point out to you, is if you're kind of in the, in, in the lower left-hand side of the picture, way down at the bottom, you see a little white thread that seems just to come right off of one of the rocks down in the tree line. And that's the river that we were standing at just a few days before. That was the river we were just staying at just a few days before. The viewpoint, the perspective from being at the edge of the river to just a few days later looking down at the river from thousands of feet, it was an amazing, amazingly different viewpoint. Now, you and I have a vantage point. But it's contained in a force field, if you will. Like uh, our vantage point is contained in, in, in a force field made up of our own opinions, made up of our beliefs, our experiences, or the, or the experiences and the beliefs that, that, that the people around us feed into us. And so our viewpoint is kind of held in this force field just based on those Things, our opinions are kind of trapped, aren't they, in this force field. Our opinions about love, about sex, about identity and gender and politics and God, they're kind of limited in their perspective. And no matter how much you and I argue about it, no matter how you and I want to press back against it, no matter how informed we think we are or grounded or woke, we believe we are on all of these topics, our perspective is a limited one. A couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, uh, we had a staff retreat, and, and we um, we gifted to the staff a compass. A compass, in fact, it's this one that I'm holding in my hand. True north is a direction along the Earth's surface that's pointing towards the North Pole. And it's called true north because every direction on a compass or on a map or anywhere on the globe, true north is the direction from which everything else is measured. So if I'm going to tell you right now where true north is in this room, we're looking at that direction approximately, true north. And everything else is measured off of that. If you want to go east, you got to find where true north is first. If you want to go west, you're going to know where west is. You've got to find where true north is. If you want to travel south, you have to know where true north is. Everything is based off of that. It's a starting point, it tells us where we are and how we orient ourselves. True north sets the rules, it gives the guidelines, and everything is measured from it. So you and I have been led by a a, a, a great many things, sources that inform us, that that inform me. And we get to choose, based on all of this intake, what to believe is right and good and best and true. But if we're honest, we don't really know for sure, do we? I mean, that's really the problem. It is that we feel like we've got to be concretely sure on every people issue, every matter, every viewpoint. But when you lay your head down at night, the truth is, many of us, we're not 100% sure. But what if there was a way to know what, and to believe what is true? I believe we have a Heavenly Father who loves us And he has a vantage point and a perspective which is higher than mine. I believe that I am loved by a God and I serve a God who has a vantage point that is fuller and more complete and eternal and mine's not. He is our true north. He is the direction from which everything else is measured and set. Everything that is right and good and true comes from him. That's what I believe. That's what I see in God's word. And if we're going to discover, if we at your family, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, our church, our community is going to discover what that fullest, most abundant life looks like, which is the life that Jesus claims that he came to give us. If we are going to discover that, then we need to learn to submit our perspective to God's. So this is our big idea for today. God has a perspective that you don't have. God has a perspective that you don't have. 1,400 years before Jesus was born, after the Jewish people had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, God speaks out of what seemed to be some silence, and he speaks and he calls Moses to lead his people out of slavery where god promised if moses would go and lead the people out of slavery that god would lead the jewish people to their own homeland to their own to build their own nation that he would be their god and their father. So we're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, if you want to bring that up on an app, we're just going to be there for a few minutes today. We have Bibles at the hub for you. If you don't have one, we got them. They're free. We just want to give them to you. But we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 1. This is what it says. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, and Moses stared in amazement. Verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Don't come any closer, the Lord warned him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Now, I want you to uh, just lock into your brain here for a moment that God calls Moses from the mountain. It's amazing when you start looking through and just kind of peeling back the pages of God's word, of your Bible, how many things God does from his perspective on a mountain. There's a reason why God instructs Moses to not come any closer, to take off his sandals because the ground which God was then inhabiting was holy. There's a reason why, and the reason why is because God is sovereign. Sovereign. Now, it's not a word that we use very often. You don't use that word in your daily language, do you? You don't hear other people use the the word sovereign or sovereignty. But here's what it means. And for our purposes for this month, and really as we set the direction for White Oak in our city, I believe, for the rest of the year, here's a definition of, of sovereignty, to have complete power, control, or authority, not to be controlled by outside influence capture that. Take a picture of that. Write that down. If you're online, if you're listening in the car later this week, pull over, write that down. It's sovereign, all right, to have complete power, control, or authority, not to be controlled by outside influence. Now, as the Jewish people learned to to, to build this relationship with God as their father, the, the name of God and this attribute of him being sovereign were interchangeable. They were the same thing. God, it, by name and by nature, is sovereign. They had to learn that, though. That Over time, they had to learn that God is synonymous with sovereignty, with power, authority, and control. It just simply was who he was. There was no argument that there's a God, but is he sovereign? There was no argument there, okay? You understand? It it, it just he was, okay? But they had to learn that, all right? What if we started out 2022, you and I, and no matter where you are on the spectrum of faith, maybe you're searching, maybe you're full of doubt and don't believe, maybe you've been believing and following Jesus for many years, I don't know, all right? But what if in 2022, you and I began to just lean into learning, or relearning, as many of us have to do, all right, today, what if we leaned into the learning and relearning that God is synonymous with sovereignty, that he is our sovereign? What if that framed up your year? What would that look like? See, as God calls us to submit to his sovereignty, I want to point out three things that I see him say to Moses from the mountain to, from the mountain, that I believe, that I believe that whether he 's shouting it from, from a, a, a fiery bush or he 's whispering it into your heart, that, that our Father wants to say to you and me today here 's the first one: as God calls us to submit to sovereignty, we listen. We listen. We just simply listen, OK? Because he is all-powerful, here's what I want to submit to you today, all right? That God has something to say to us in every circumstance. That our heavenly Father, because he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, he has something to say to us in every circumstance. Look at uh, verse 7 here, still in Exodus chapter 3, okay? You with me? All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. I want you to keep in mind something here. All right? God sees what you don't see. He knows what you don't know. Okay, He knows your hurts. He knows your secret pain points. He knows your heart. He knows your words. And he knows the place from which they derive and from where your actions come. He knows the questions you have. He knows the decisions that I've made. He knows. He knows... Church, listen, listen. And he speaks into it all. He has words for you and me in all of it. The trouble is, you and I are much better at being in tune with our culture, aren't we? And the things that our culture says... And we struggle with the relevance of God's voice and the things that you and I see on the news and the decisions that you and I must make today, don't we? So we wonder if God speaks into politics, to my politics. I wonder, like, what is the God of heaven? What does he know? What does he say about my politics, about all of these issues that I see on the news that can fire me up or I just turn it off and just don't even want to hear about it? Well, I have a God, I have Jesus in Matthew 6 who tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. That God's priorities, his heart for other people, his heart for his stuff and what he sees as most important, that if you and I seek that first, if we seek that first, then his promises will be poured into our lives. That my priority in my politics is God's priority. How does he see things? That's how I should see them too. But but see, we think we have a God who maybe just doesn't quite understand my politics. I wonder if God speaks into gender issues. Or gender confusion. I wonder if we have a God who could have ever imagined that that would be a thing. Do you wonder that? I wonder that. I I wrestle with that. I wrestle with that. After all, we have this choice and and we want to make choices that bend towards our feelings. And could God really understand and speak into That, but there's a God that we have in Psalm 139 that calls us his what what he calls us his sons and daughters. Intimately known, he created us in our mother's womb and knew us. He's got a purpose for our lives. He calls us who we are, his sons and his daughters, and our identity derives from his essence and his personhood. That's what I'm told. And we wonder if God speaks into our pain and our relationships or our confusion. And we wonder, does he speak? Can he really possibly know anything or a lot about what's going on in my heart and in my relationships right now? But we have a God who promises us in John 14 that he has given us, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, his Holy Spirit. Like his power and his presence active and moving in my life to be my comforter, my counselor, my healer, and my peace giver. Like that God, that presence of God is active and working in and through me right now. See, God is sovereign, and he calls you and me from a mountaintop. He calls to us from a viewpoint that I don't have, that I don't understand, asking me to trust him. His words of wisdom and his principles and his direction for my life, he gives and he speaks. And when he speaks, you listen. I listen. I listen. Here's another one. When God asks you to submit, to his sovereignty again this is just submitting to who he is you can't sh- pick and choose which attribute of god you submit to I, I, it's not buffet style all right um so when you and i are called to submit to god's sovereignty all right we trust we listen and we trust because god has complete authority look at our, look look back at our definition because god has a ple- complete authority despite our opinions or protests okay <laughs> we submit we trust. Look, um, verse 9. Verse 9 here in Exodus 3. Okay, I told, I told you to stay there because we're going to be there for just a couple minutes. Okay, here we go. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. This is God speaking to Moses. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? So as you read through Exodus 3, you see this dialogue, and I encourage you to do it. You see this dialogue continue. Moses repeatedly, it may sound familiar to your life or mine, right? Moses repeatedly comes up with excuses and tosses out these roadblocks to God, attempting, deflecting God's call to his life. God says this, and Moses is like, yeah, but, all right? He's like, well, what would I say? Come on, God, I don't know what to say. You do this when it comes, when it comes to your coworkers or your friends or your family members. I don't really know what I would say to them. And God says, I am God. That's what you say to them, I am God. I am the sovereign almighty. And so what you say is, here's who sent me. It's a God who is full of love and full of compassion, and he is in control. And Moses says, well, I just don't think I can do this. I just don't want to do it. I just, I, I can't do it. And God says, but I'll be with you. And Moses says, well, others won't believe me, all right? What what ground would I really stand on? What authority would I really have? People, I'll say it, and they won't believe me. They won't trust me. And God says, I will show them. You just be obedient. You just be obedient. I will show them. And Moses says, well, you just need someone else. Someone else can do this. Someone else can tackle this thing. And God says, no, Moses, you go, and I'll go with you. See, for every excuse God leads with an I statement, if you read Exodus chapter 3, every roadblock that you and I would attempt to throw up to God and say, Listen, I'm not sure that I agree with you. I'm not sure that I want to submit to this way, the way that God, that you see this thing. And every roadblock or every excuse that you and I could come up with to toss out, God rebuts with an I statement. Oh, it's not about you, Moses. It's not about you, Nathan. I. They're I statements that remind us who is in control. And most importantly, who isn't? God asks for your trust. See, our culture tells us that sexuality is a lifestyle. Let's use this for an example. Our culture tells us that sexuality is a lifestyle, it's an identity, it's a right. And it's up to us how we approach it. I mean, that's everything that's around us. And I'm telling you right now that God owns sex. Let me just say that. Can I say that? Can I say that? It's recorded now, so it's up there forever. All right. God owns sex. He created it. It was his idea. He thought of the way that it should work best. And if he's the creator, wouldn't he know? Now, sin has tarnished that plan But he's still on the throne just because we have been able to come up with lots of variations that we think are best and true and right. It doesn't mean that God is not sovereign because you cannot separate God from his sovereignty. He just is sovereign. It's in His nature. It's just who he is. And despite our experiences or our feelings or our opinions or our leanings, God has a plan for sex that he says is best and true. He's got one. We have a good father. Church, listen, listen. We have a good father in heaven who calls from the mountaintop. It's from a perspective that you don't have. From a vantage point that he's overseeing my whole life, my heart, my sexuality, my health, my dependence upon him, he can see that from his vantage point. And I have to admit that I can't see what he sees from where I stand. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm limited. And no matter what culture tells me, no matter what my friends believe, and no matter what my own heart might say, I'm called to trust him. Because he's sovereign. He has a truth for your marriage, and he has truth about divorce. He has truth for your singleness and for your dating life. Our good God in heaven, from his vantage point, he has truth for your broken heart and for for what healing looks like, for what loneliness looks like as your father comes around you. He speaks from a vantage point that you don't have. Uh, he has a truth. For your questions and my doubts, he speaks. He is sovereign. And here's a news flash: You're not. And I may not like that all the time. No, no, no. Let me just be honest with you. I don't like that all the time. All right? I don't always want to agree with what God says about stuff. You ever find yourself there? I don't want to agree with what he says. I don't want to believe that it's what's best. I want to go, I want to pull out my compass and say, I think north is this way. I want to go that direction. I don't like what God says about everything, about my heart. I don't always agree with it. But that doesn't change his authority and power. He asked me to trust him. And because I don't have a full picture and he does, then I will. Will you? Because God's sovereignty, because he asks you and I, he calls to us to submit to his sovereignty. Then here's the third thing. We listen, we trust, and then we move together. Together we move. When we move in submission to who God is, because he's in control, he's going with you. He's in control. So, of course, he's going with you. God tells Moses, I will be with you. I will be with you. Look how many times in Exodus chapter 3, God has to remind Moses that I statement, I will be with you. So why in your place right now, and I don't care where you are in the spectrum of faith or searching or doubting or or wherever you are, right? How many times does our heavenly father who loves you like crazy have to remind you, I'll be with you. We're going together on this thing. In the storm of your confusion, my peace is going to be with you. So if you're confused about your relationship, if you're confused about sexuality, if you're confused about about your future, my peace is going to be with you. In the hurt of loss, in your pain of loss, my comfort's with you because I'm with you. In your joys... I'm going to celebrate with you. You have a God who wants to celebrate with you, and he does. You bring him a lot of joy just by being a son and a daughter of God. You bring him a ton of joy, and he celebrates with you and your joys. And the fierceness of our anger, and don't tell me that you don't have anger problems. We all do, okay? Okay. Mine came through last night when my kids were yelling and wrestling on the floor with each other. Yes, they're teenagers, and we still deal with it. So if you're parents of little kids, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't get any better. You're welcome. <laughs> okay? But in the fierceness of your anger, in, you have a God who says, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Hey, it's going to be Okay? We got this. In your disappointment, in your sacrifice, in your waiting, in your failure and success, we have a Heavenly Father who says, I will never leave you. So, more than a thousand years after this encounter that Moses has with God, Paul is planting churches. Up and down the Mediterranean Rim, Jesus has has come, and he's died, and he's rose again. And Paul is writing this letter to the Christians in the city of Rome concerning what Paul will often call in his letters to the churches, this great mystery of God. All right? Now, God is mysterious. Why? Because we don't always get it, right? That is mystery. He's allowed to be mysterious because he's sovereign and we're not. We don't always get it. So Paul's writing to the Romans trying to just just outline, not explain, just outline this beautiful mystery of God's undying love shown to us through Jesus' life and death. And look in Romans chapter 11. This is what he says. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, can, who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. God is sovereign, church. He is over all things, and he sees our need for a savior. And he offers himself. You have a God who saw your need for forgiveness and freedom and hope and peace and joy, and he offered himself. Jesus died for us when from our vantage point, and you know this is true, when from my vantage point, I thought that being good enough would just be good enough. But no, we have a God who loves us too much to allow us to lay out our own road. See, we have a God who sent his son, Jesus, who died for us and took away the penalty from our sin. When from your vantage point, we just thought religious rules and expectations would do the trick. See, from God's vantage point, he saw our desire for freedom, to live our lives and to enjoy it to its fullest. And he saw that we were headed over a cliff, but we couldn't see it from our perspective. See, his perspective is from a mountaintop and ours is riverbank level. We were headed over a cliff to our deaths and he rescued you with Jesus. See, God has a perspective that you and I do not have because our viewpoint is so limited. We need a higher, constant, consistent viewpoint from a true north heavenly father with a voice that is consistent and true to navigate you and I through the mess that we cannot navigate on our own. God offers us a path that we walk to trust him, which will lead us to certainty. And if you need, if you have never accepted Jesus as the sacrifice for your sins and the way forward to full and and lasting and eternal life. I just want to ask you, I'll be down here in the front. If you've never submitted to baptism and just said, "I, I want it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's a great mystery to me. Hey, welcome to the club. You come see me afterwards and we'll talk about that. For the rest of us, I want you to consider this. Submit to God's perspective in your life in one area and begin today. I don't know what area that is, I don't know where your heart struggles, I really don't. But you do, and he certainly does. One area that you'll listen, you'll seek his words, you trust, he'll go with you, you don't have to understand it. That's okay, because he's sovereign, he loves you like crazy. Pray with me, Father, thank you.